0: So, man, we sing that song, and i got to be honest with you. Sometimes I, uh, w- I hear those words, and it, and it just almost sounds arrogant to say that we're going to, like, do greater things. And, but, but I want you to hear, this is, uh, this is Jesus. Here's what he says to us in, in John chapter 14. He said, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We are the continuation of the work of Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is working in his church? Do you believe that Jesus is working through his church? What an awesome thing that we get to turn the corner and just say, like, Lord, keep doing it. And do something greater. And it's not for us, but it's for the glory of his name. And that happens as the church gets after pursuing the mission together. And so why don't you find your seats. I want to have you open your Bibles, and we're going to do that. I know you want to just keep singing, and I promise we'll, we'll sing a little bit later on, all right? We'll have, we'll have more songs. We can continue to worship the Lord, but uh, we love to open up God's Word together, and so I want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you can just get our ushers' attention. They would love to give you one, and uh, if you don't own a Bible, would you just take that one? It is a gift from us to you. Uh, we want you to be able to study the Bible with us, or you can follow along with us on the Bible app, and we are going to be In Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, we're actually taking a break from the book of Exodus. Uh, Man, we've been in the book of Exodus for a while, and guess what? We're going to be in there for a a little bit longer, too. Uh, But we're going to take a break from Exodus. We're going to spend the next seven weeks really uh, focusing on pursuing the mission. This is the greater things that Jesus is going to do. And we're going to look at how we go about pursuing the mission with our our six pursuits. But today, uh, man, today is Vision Sunday. Now, uh, we kick off our ministry year every year. We start the ministry year with Vision Sunday, just trying to look ahead and and get a clear picture in our minds of where we're going as a a church, because we need to see where we're going out in front of us, kind of like uh, when when you turn on your headlights uh, when it's nighttime and you're trying to drive and you need to see where you're going. You you turn your headlights on. Well, I know... um, Actually, we really don't need headlights around here, do we? We've got enough uh, streetlights and signs that most of the time we turn our headlights on so that other people can see us, not so that we can see, right? How, how many of you, uh, just curious, how many of you have ever forgotten to uh, drive with turn on your headlights and you've driven around? Okay, so I'm not the only one. Uh, so I get it, okay? I realize that, that, that maybe you don't need your headlights very often, but believe it or not, there are actually places in the world where they have roads. With no streetlights. True story. This is is real, okay? And and so for people like that, they have to turn their headlights on so they can see ahead. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1 functioning kind of like that. This is like the headlights for us as we look ahead and just refocus on what Jesus has called us to keep doing as a church, and I thought, man, what, a, what an appropriate thing for us to be changing our name on, on a day like today, because I know that there's, I, I realize there's so much that's changing. You saw new signs, and new logo, and, and, and we got new shirts, and new uh, decals for your car, and all of that, We're like new everything, but, but, but listen, listen, I want to say this. Nothing is really changing. This is kind of like getting a, a new paint job, if you will, on the outside. But on the inside, we still have the same heart that beats for the glory of Jesus and the advancement of his kingdom. And we wanted to reflect that in our, our new identity, this new logo. And so let me, let, me, let me put this logo up here on the screen. You can kind of see all of this. And i got to tell you, we're so thankful for, uh, there's a company in Lancaster, Pennsylvania called Infantry. And uh, they came along and really helped us with all of this. And they, they, they worked with us to understand uh, kind of our, uh, our dynamics and our situation and the way that we uh, try to uh, craft a message. And, and they really worked with us to make sure that we were capturing this idea. You can see it on the whole color palette and all of that. But in, in the logo, uh, obviously, you can see the crown there. But I hope that uh, uh, inside, or uh, like the crown is actually coming out of a Bible. You see that? And we wanted the crown and the Bible there because uh, that is, I think, everything about our church we want to be centered on the Word of God and the proclamation of our Savior Jesus as King. And so our name, our our identity has a little bit of meaning. This is kind of a mark with some meaning for us because it helps keep our focus vertical. And as we have this vertical worship of our King Jesus, uh, that propels the horizontal advancement of his kingdom and the mission that he's called us to in spreading the name of Jesus everywhere we go. And so I can't tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm so fired up about what God is doing, and, and, and we want people to know uh, our name. We want people to be able to see this, and we're so thankful. I, I think it would be uh, really wise and appropriate for me to just take a minute and just say thank you to a few people that have really helped us. Um, uh, to, to be honest, I feel like I have done very little to make all of this stuff happen, and, and I know there are so many people that we could thank here, but there's just a few that I think it would be uh, uh, good for us to just take a moment and just say thank you to them. Many of you probably don't even realize, I mean, we'd never done anything like this. Uh, we'd never changed our name before, and, and, and so we needed somebody that knew how to do that, and, and Chris Pratt actually has done this before, and, and, and so he was willing to lend his expertise and, and kind of help us just navigate this entire process and, and, and what this is supposed to look like and keep pushing things through, and so i'm, I'm thankful to Chris and, and also to Christy, I, I know um, she hates it when I do this, but but she's always doing the stuff behind the scenes that nobody knows about and keeping us legal, like she actually helps make sure that our doors stay open and uh, so there's so much behind the scenes that she was doing and, and then also Ryan and Shannon Shaughnessy and uh, Shannon is the one who uh, you see all the signs and all of that stuff out there she's the one that made all this stuff and like brought this design to life and made it look good, and so I, there's so many other people that I could thank, but those are some of the ones that have just been going above and beyond and doing a lot of extra work, and so would you just join me in thanking them for all the work that they put into this? And I am, I am thankful to be a part of this church and what God is doing in and through us, and I want, I, man, we want people to know um, we, we want people to see this. We want people to see our name, but, but listen, this this is so important. This is what I've been praying about this entire time. We've been praying for unity and excitement around this, but we've been praying that there, there would really be one name that gets all the glory. And we want to make the name of Jesus famous in our community and around the world. That, that is the thing that drives us, and that will never change. In fact, my heart, I just feel like the Lord has been kind of just re-energizing my heart around the gospel and just getting excited to kind of just get back to the basics of uh, with a renewed uh, passion and excitement, knowing we want to we pursue the mission that God has given us. And the mission has not changed. Although uh, we did... Uh, rework the language a little bit, if that's okay, okay? So like, I, I want to explain this just a little bit. Uh, we, the, none of the mission, not, nothing has actually changed, but we tried to rework the language just a bit because uh, our old mission statement said to to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. And while that's memorable and, and helpful, we, we felt like that always, you know, requires a little bit of explanation, like what in the world is the Great Commission, what's the Great Commandment, and all of that. And so, so we, what we tried to do is simplify what that means and get to the heart of it, and so we, we, we were wrestling, batting this back and forth, and, and got some thoughts and feedback from some of our key leaders, and, 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 and actually talked to people who know grammar and things like that, making sure we're saying it the right way, and, and, and trying to just summarize for the purpose of clarity. That's what we're doing. We're just trying to clarify. And so in, in light of a, a big idea this morning, I want to give you our new mission statement that's not really new at all. Uh, But if you're taking notes, note this. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. I want to see this Really come to life in the book of Acts. And so here I am, Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 6. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6, says this, when they had come together, that's the disciples, they asked Jesus, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Father, I pray that that we would just have a, a, a desire in our hearts to see that day, knowing that you are coming again. And I know on a day like this, we get, we, we get excited, and we're so excited to be here and thankful for uh, this time that we have. And yet, Lord, I pray that there would just be a, a longing, a burning in our soul. Uh, we're, we're groaning on the inside, Romans 8 says, waiting for the adoption of sons and the redemption of our bodies, and that's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And so we long for that day. And, Lord, I love this, this, this image that we would just have Bibles open and, and see the the beauty and the glory of King Jesus on display today. I pray that your spirit is present here. I pray that you fill us with your power, that we would do greater things, not for us, but for your name. And it's in the powerful, beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here's what we want to do. I want to uh, kind of take our mission statement and just uh, break it down into uh, the three parts and just see how this is reflected here in the Scripture. So let's look at the first part, that our, our mission is to glorify God. We could just stop right there. That is the heart of this. Uh, this is what's, what's happening here in Acts chapter 1 is you've got the, the disciples are on their last day with Jesus on earth, and, and um, it's actually been about 40 days since resurrection Easter Sunday morning now, and, and they've been spending time with Jesus, and Jesus has been preparing them and, and, and trying to help them understand this mission that he's giving them, knowing uh, that, that he's getting ready to ascend back into heaven. And, and here you see them, verse 6, they're kind of ready for action at this point. They're like, Jesus, listen, it's been a few weeks, you're back, that's awesome, but What's next? What's what's happening? We're ready to go. They ask, are are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Because in their minds, they're thinking, if Jesus is the Messiah, and they're convinced that he is, if that's true, then that means, in their minds, he's going to liberate them from the Roman army, they'll they'll be free from the Romans, and he's going to be king, and he's going to reestablish their their own glorious kingdom of Israel again. He's going to be king. That's going to be an awesome day. And Jesus is like, I'm glad you want me to be king, but um, you guys are thinking too small. Because verse 8, he says, this isn't just meant for Jerusalem, but I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That This message is not just for the Jews. He's not just their king. He is the king of the world. He is the king of kings, and he's going to rule over all the nations. In fact, that's, that's actually the vision that Scripture gives to us. All the way back in the very beginning of the Bible, in the very first book in Genesis, God makes a promise to Abraham, and he says to Abraham that uh, his, through his offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The whole earth is going to be blessed from someone who comes from the line of Abraham. And then halfway through, in the middle of the Bible, in Psalm 2, we get this picture of God the Father making his son the king, putting him on the throne, and he said that he was going to make the nations his son's heritage, and the ends of the earth, his possession. He's going to have it all. All of the nations are going to come before his son, who is the king. Why? Because in Revelation, at the very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 5, it said that by his blood he ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The story of the whole Bible is that he is the savior for all people. He is the king of the world. Yeah, I feel like there's a few non-Jews in here who should be pretty excited about that, right? He is the savior and so he did all of that so that he could fulfill this, this beautiful vision that was actually prophesied Uh, back in the book of Habakkuk. In in the book of Habakkuk, we get this prophecy, and just in case you don't have it memorized, I've got it for you on the screen. Here's here's Habakkuk chapter two, uh, verse 14. Here's what it says. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How many of you went to the beach this summer? Anybody go to the beach? We got a few beach, all right, awesome. We love going to the beach, it's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a little crazy when you have four kids and they're all running around like, you know, going nuts and we're watching for sharks and all of that. But one of the things that I like to do whenever I go to the beach, if I can get a moment, is just kind of stand there and just look out, right? There's something breathtaking about just standing and looking out and seeing the vastness of the waters of the ocean. And God's giving us a a vision for the future like that. He says, listen, here's here's what's going to happen in the future. The the whole earth, the entire globe is going to be filled, covered with those who know that God is glorious. This is the vision of Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the vision for our church that God would be glorified through the knowledge and the exaltation of Jesus. We want Him to get all the glory, and we want everybody to know that He's glorious. And so, so Jesus here is sending His disciples out to spread the knowledge. Uh, of his glory through the proclamation of the gospel, and he's been, you know, preparing them for this because he knew what was going to happen. We see this in verse uh, nine. There, uh, he 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 leaves, and and I know that you know for those of us in a, a CGI saturated culture, maybe that doesn't seem all that fantastic. But can you just imagine what that must have been like? I don't know. Like he like literally, he just kind of starts floating up and rises up, and you can't see him anymore. And 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 I, I could just like picture the disciples there with their heads back and jaws dropped, and just. Have you ever been in a crowd of people, like sort of, like tons of people are all around, and, and just a couple people start looking up? You know what happens? Yeah, everybody else, is like, what's the guy looking at? Like, what, what's what's happening? So I, I imagine there's two guys that, that show up and they're in white robes and we know that they're angels, but I just kind of imagine they just kind of slide up to the disciples they are like, what What are you guys? What's going on? What are you guys looking at? And, and I love the question that they ask, verse eleven. Look at this. Why do you stand looking? Into heaven. Translation, what are you still doing here? He's coming back. He, he already told you this was gonna happen and he, and he gave you a job to do. He prepared you for this. It's time to get after it because he's coming back soon. And I think this question that, that the angels ask here is meant to help them put all of this together. Help them make sense of everything that's happened over the last three years since the first time that Jesus called them to to follow him and everything that he's taught them and and all the signs that have proved his authority and proved who he is and, and the weeks leading up to Jerusalem where he's predicting his death and his resurrection. And then they saw it. They saw him hanging on the cross. But then three days later, they also saw the empty tomb, and now it's been about 40 days since that glorious Sunday morning, and Jesus has been spending time with them and commissioning them for when he's going to leave, and he's not going to be around anymore. And so the angels are asking, why do you stand looking into heaven? What are you doing here? He's coming back again, and he's given them a job to do until he returns. And so I think everything in this moment starts to become crystal clear. They have a new purpose in life. Their purpose is to glorify God as they fulfill the mission of the church that Jesus has just given them. It's pretty simple. Just do what he asked us to do. And so for us, here's here's, here's what this means, and, and and I hope that we just catch this, and this is beating in our hearts, is the glory of Jesus and the urgency of his return the motivating vision of the future for our church. Do we, have, do we have an expectation and a longing that Jesus is coming again soon? And, and do we have a passion to obey and get after the mission because our hearts just long to see our Savior glorified? Hey, let me tell you, this is, this is a biblical vision of the future that's just been, uh, God has just been using this to kind of reinvigorate my heart to think that there, there could be a day that is coming soon. Where we are going to hear Jesus say to us, "Well done, well done, good and faithful servant." Hey, Fairfax Bible Church, are we going to hear Jesus say that to us? If I can be honest with you, um, it's part of my job, right, is try to help cast the vision of where are we going and and. Um, I, I have been wrestling for months over the vision, and we've been talking and uh, batting these things around in leadership and just trying to get a sense of, you know, well, we're, we're seven years old today, all right? That's awesome. Praise God. And we're thankful, thankful for what he's doing, but, but there's also that sense of, like, great, but what's next? What, what, where, where, where are we going? What, what are the next three to five to seven years going to look like. And, and, and trying, to, to, trying to make that tangible and, and summarize that and, and make it concise and make it measurable and give us a picture of, of what the future is going to look like for us. And I'm trying to write it out in statements. And I don't know how many iterations we got through. I finally got to the point where I just crossed it all off and just said, Lord, what if we became a church that Jesus was pleased with? I want that to be the vision that motivates our heart to just get back to the basics of what he's called us to do. That we would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servants. We want to make sure that the vision that consumes us is not that we would be the heroes or that we would do great things for God or that we would wow people with all of our accomplishments. But this, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Paul says we make it our aim to please him. That's what we want to do be honest, I don't know what God wants to do over the next few years. I don't know what he's going to do in and through us, but our goal is to please Christ. We're here to glorify God. Now, how do we do that? Well, we get after the job that he's called us to do until he comes back. And so this is the second part of our mission statement. Here's here's how we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Acts chapter one verse eight is a uh, what we would call a great commission verse. Uh, this is actually one of five Great Commission statements uh, that Jesus gives, and, and there's one in each of the four Gospels. And and, and I, I say that because it's important for us to re- I know most of you think of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 took place in Galilee. This is happening in Jerusalem. So I'm just trying to show you that this is this wasn't, the, Jesus didn't show up one time and give them the mission and just send them out. He's been meeting with them multiple times, going over this over a period of 40 days, taking the time to explain it and, and trying to clarify what he's meant by this mission and and, um, he's been trying to help them say that see that just as uh, Jesus was sent to us so he is sending us now and what's he telling us to do to go proclaim the gospel and take the gospel to the ends of the earth and we're supposed to take this message that that he is uh, his his death and his resurrection that he's the savior repentance and, and salvation are in his name alone and we're to go and make disciples of all nations make disciples now, disciples are, are followers of Jesus, and so really what he intends for us to do is to make followers or disciples of Jesus all around the world. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 then steps in to kind of clarify how that's going to be possible. Because if you look, look, look back just a few verses, back in chapter, or, uh, chapter 1 verses 4 and, 4 and 5, they'd actually been told to wait. Here's what Jesus said. Wait for, they, were, they were told to wait for the promise of the Father because you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's the same thing he had said at the end of Luke chapter 24 uh, when he said, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus is saying, I want you to go, but not yet. Yet. Don't don't go anywhere until you have the Holy Spirit. And here's the promise, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Listen, listen. The only way that we are going to be able to carry out the mission is if we have the power of God. We are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Honestly, if you think about it, it kind of just makes sense. Because the only way that somebody actually becomes a disciple is if Jesus changes their heart. God has to take someone who is dead in their sins and raise them to new life. I don't know if you've noticed, but you and I can't do that. We we can't change anybody's hearts. And so that means then that, that if we're going to go, he just says, go make disciples. Well, we can't really do that unless he's working. And so it means that we are completely dependent on the spirit of God to do what he's called us to do. We can gather a crowd and and get everybody to wear the T-shirt and and, and get everybody plugged in and and, and even get people busy serving. But if we're, think, think about this. If we're going to see real spiritual growth, then we need the spirit to be at work. It just kind of makes sense, but can I be honest? There's so many times that I actually forget that. I think there's a danger that, that sometimes churches think that they're growing when they might not be at all. I've tried to contextualize this and. Think about it for us. I mean, there's things that we're excited about, and we praise God for that. I mean, we've, we've had to move the curtains back to make room for more people to be able to get into here, and I love that. That's, that's exciting. That's, that's something that we would celebrate, and, and, and we have eight small groups now, and a couple of them are busting at the seams, and we're ready to just multiply out, and, and I think that's awesome, and we love that, but just because we have a bigger church, like we have more people or we have more small groups, doesn't necessarily indicate that we're growing spiritually, Jesus doesn't ask us to gather a crowd. He told us to make disciples. So the goal is not just to look like we're accomplishing the mission, but to actually get it done, to glorify God by making disciples. And don't you think that he's going to be able to tell if that's actually happening? And so I think we have to care way more about what he thinks and what he sees and what he's telling us to do. And we need to learn to measure the right things—the things that that are happening in our church that that really do indicate that God's Spirit as is at work—we got to learn to measure the right things. That, that that includes when lost sinners are saved by uh, grace from their sins, and and there's no way that that we can manufacture that, and we praise God for that, and and then seeing new believers taking their first step in obedience and getting baptized those those are awesome things but it's not just multiplying it's also maturing We need to see a growing love for Jesus and a desire for his glory and just living and breathing in the gospel in this good news, this good news, this good proclamation of what he has done for us. And as we do that, we're we're gonna have a, a growing hatred of our own sin and there will be a spirit of repentance and humility and getting low. And God, we want you to do this in our hearts. We want you to change us. We wanna be more like Christ and we will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out. We're not going to live the way we used to. There's something different now. I'm not responding. I'm not reacting the same way. What's coming out is now love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are things that only the Spirit can produce in us. We're being changed, and then changed individual lives are impacting immediate relationships right around them, and it's transforming homes and families And as the homes and the families are being transformed by the gospel, then that is strengthening the church. And as the church then is filled with the fruits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit serving and building up the body of Christ, we become this uncommon community that's a witness to a watching world because they're looking and saying, we've never seen anything like that. And they see our love for Christ, they see our love for others, and they're seeing this culture of living scent. Where we're, we're, we're recognizing that God has sent us right here, right now to take the gospel to our coworkers and to our neighborhood and trying to leverage our lives to make more disciples and there's a, there's a passion for his glory and may, seeing others come to worship him too. There's gonna be maturity if the spirit of God is actually at work and so if I could just say bottom line, what we do, we make disciples because that Brings glory to Christ. We want to make disciples in Fairfax. And we also care about our neighborhood. We care about D.C. We care about Northern Virginia. But it doesn't stop here. Because look at verse 8. Look at, look at what he says. He says, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. All right? And Judea. That's kind of the surrounding area. Still homes. Kind of like Northern Virginia. All right? So, Still, still that local area. But then watch, he says, also in Samaria. Now we're starting to cross some, some, some ethnic and cultural barriers because that's a, that's a place of a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. This is a context that's just a little bit different than what we're used to. And then even to the end of the earth. And so what he's saying is not only do you need your eyes on your own hometown and your own community, but you also have to care about reaching people that you've never even met all the way around the world at the same time. So the focus of our church is both across the street and around the world. Because God has sent us both here and there. Are we going? Um, many of you know uh, Pastor Nate Newell in uh, Kuala Lumpur. So thankful for him. What you don't, might not know is that his dad is a, a missions professor at Moody Bible Institute. And I got a hold of one of his books. and. I thought this was so helpful. Here's what Marvin Newell says. He says, The Old Testament version of centripetal mission, where Israel welcomed all the nations streaming to it, was to be replaced by the centrifugal mission of going out to the nations. Now what that means is like, listen, I I want more people to come and be a part of what God is doing here in our church. We'd be excited about that, but our hearts must beat with a willingness to say, I'll go to you, not just you come to me. Pastor J.D. Greer said it this way: that Jesus, he his measurement of the church is not seating capacity, but sending capacity. See, this is why we end every service, we, we we end our time by saying, church isn't over. Let's go be the church. Let's go be bold witnesses for Christ. And as you go, love Christ, live sent, right here, right where God has you. So let me just get practical what this means over the next few years. I, I, uh, we promise we're, we're committing to this, that we are going to continue to try to give you opportunities uh, to get overseas on missions trips and, and, and that's why we're so thankful to have a, a gospel partner in a place like Kuala Lumpur and, and the opportunities to try to take the gospel to unreached people groups, people that have never heard uh, the message of Jesus and, and we want to do that. We want to get overseas. We want to be able to go. I'm going to tell you as we develop more partners to be able to do this, to be able to carry out the mission, it does mean we're going to have to hop on a plane and we're going to have to connect with people that we've never met and connect over email and over WhatsApp and whatever else technology is available to us, and we're going to go. But, but here's what's crazy, I love this. Fairfax is also a strategic community, and living sent means right here because the nations come to us. I mean, all you got to do is go next door or go across the hall, and you start crossing uh, ethnic and cultural barriers, Right? But it's the love and the glory of Jesus that compels us to go. And i got to be honest with you. One of the things that, that I love most about being a part of this community of faith is I love hearing uh, the stories of those of you who um, are doing this and, and trying to share the gospel with your coworkers, reaching out to your neighbors and, and your friends and and being with unbelievers and opening up your homes and and trying to share the love of Christ and proclaim the gospel. That's what we're doing. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. But watch this. This is so important that we know this. The third part is as we live in loving community. So the fact that they're going to go to Samaria it's kind of an immediate indication that this kingdom, this church of Jesus, is going to look a lot different than they had anticipated. Because they got to go across those racial and ethnic barriers, and it's obviously it's just kind of a shocking display of diversity in who's included in the church. And as we leave Acts chapter one, and we turn the page into Acts chapter two, it finally happens: the the, the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a crowd, there's a whole multitude of people who come running to check out, like, what in the world is going on? And and it says that this crowd is from every nation under heaven. The nations are gathering together, and they're actually hearing the disciples speak in their own languages, and Peter steps up, and he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people believed and were baptized and were added to the church that day. And then by the end of Acts chapter 2, we see all of them gathering together as the church in fellowship loving, and serving one another. Because when you become a disciple of Jesus, you find yourself in a community of people that you might not have expected. Don't make a weird face at your neighbor. There's something fun and exciting and shocking and uncomfortable about what's happening here, and yet... Jesus, before he went to the cross, he anticipated, he knew that he was going to be the Savior for the nation, so he gave us this command. I've got it for you on the screen. Here's what he said in John chapter 13. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I want to make this really clear. We're fired up about carrying out the mission. We, we want to get after this. But we are not just an army on a mission. We're also a family. and We belong to one another. And as we're getting after this, we're going to make new disciples and then we welcome them in and love them. And then as we're helping make those believers into maturing, growing disciples, then we have to learn to live with them. We have to learn to love one another despite the fact that I would prefer that Jesus would mature you a little bit faster. I know that that I'm not always the easiest to love and get along with with all of my imperfections either. That's part of the beauty of this. But 1 John chapter 4 says we love because he first loved us. The gospel marks our community. None of us deserve God's love. Don't come in here thinking that it's like, well, you know, of course God loves me. No. The more I understand the gospel, the lower, the the more humble I become because I understand none of us deserve this. But because of Jesus, we have the favor and we have the forgiveness of God. We don't have to earn it, and I can't lose it. And just as God has then treated me, and so I want to treat you, we want to learn to treat one another. And the uniqueness of our loving community is going to stand out uh, it is, it, it is going to be a witness to a watching world. I mean, our unity and diversity, it, it honestly should be shocking. There should be people that are walking in and saying, like, what in the world is bringing all of these people together? We, we should welcome them into our homes and our small groups, and they're thinking, like, why do you hang out with these people? Why, why, why are these your people? Well, the, the answer is because of Jesus. He's changed our hearts so that we love him and we love one another. Listen, we are not consumers who come to church just to get. We come, to, we, we, we gather together because we want to give ourselves to the worship of Christ and to building up the body of Christ through, through our acts of love together. And, and I want to say uh, that by God's grace, and I mean that, by God's grace, Fairfax Bible Church is going to continue to carry out our mission to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. Now, we're going to spend the next six weeks looking at our six pursuits and how we do this, how we get after this. And next week, uh, we're going to start with uh, prayer. But I don't want to miss the opportunity to do that right now. Can we pray together? If this is going to happen, it's going to be because Jesus is at work and we need to seek his face and ask for him to move. And so here's what I want you to do. I want, uh, we want to pray together, all right? And so would you all stand right where you're at? Let's stand together. And I'm going to ask you to do something, and I know some of you feel like this is weird, and I get it, but we're family here. And so we're going to find just a couple people around you, three, four, five people around you. If you're not comfortable praying out loud, I get it. That's okay. Someone else will. But we want to pray fervently that God would do this work, that we would carry out the mission by the power of the gospel. You can pray our mission statement here. Pray that, that, that first we're going to glorify him, that we're going to have our minds and our eyes set on him. We just wanna, we want him to get all the glory. And then pray that we make disciples right here and all around the world and pray that we learn to really love one another. We become a family built on the love of Christ, all right? Find just a few people right around you, and, and let's spend some time praying together, all right?